good to see each of you here this morning. Just a couple of things I want to go over before I get to the message. Um, the last verse of the song we just sang sort of struck me. Uh, and that talks about God's purposes as it relates to things we face in life. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flames shall not hurt thee. And this is the phrase that caught my attention. I only design the dross to consume and the gold to refine. It don't always feel like that when you're going through those things. God's purposes aren't to bring discouragement and all that to our lives, but to uh, refine us. And that's not the message this morning, but I uh, just thought about that as, uh, as we were sitting here. And the first part of this are some verses that I put together. Uh, in talking this week, somebody made a comment that God's hands are not tied. And it got my mind to thinking about some scripture verses. And so I want to share just a few scripture verses here in the beginning uh, about the hand of God and its ability. Uh, I won't give you time to turn to this, but in Numbers, when the children of Israel were there wandering in the wilderness and they were having well, they could go out and pick up their bread every day. But they were murmuring against God and against Moses, and Moses took it sort of personally, and he says this. God told Moses to tell this to the children of Israel. Then you shall say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have despised the Lord who is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why did, you ever, why did we ever come up out of Egypt? Moses' response to what God told him to tell the children of Israel was this. The people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. And I can't get my mind around 600,000 men and, and how many other people would have been there. But that was Moses' response. The people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? That's Moses' response to God saying, I'm going to give this vast number of people meat to eat. Moses said, <laughs> 
It's not possible. Basically is what he was saying. Here's God's response to that. The Lord said to Moses, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. God's arm's not cut off a bit today from what excuse me, from what it was. Of course, you know what happened. They went out there and gathered, if I saw it right, for a day and a night, and at least part of another day, their meat. Isaiah 59, verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's arm is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Call out to God this week. His ear is open. His arm is not shortened. And he says again in Isaiah 52, Is my arm shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? And then he says, Indeed, with my rebuke, I will dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. The fish stink because there is no water and die of thirst. Ephesians 3.20 says, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So I wanted to share that a little bit this morning here at the beginning. The title I have is Be Thankful. I hesitate to go where I'm getting ready to go, but I'm going to do it anyhow. So, Judy, are you more grateful, where are you, today than you were Thursday? Okay, I picked on Judy because I know, no, I don't. I understand just a little bit the heart of a mother and a grandmother and that kind of thing. And so I imagine there is a element in her life that is at a, at a higher level today than it was before the baby was born, okay? But we'll get to some of that in a little bit. Be thankful. Who's to be thankful? Some of this I have used here before in the past, and I find out that some people's memory is better than others. Um, I've had somebody tell me, well, you preached that at such and such a time. Well, I don't remember preaching it here. Uh, but I do know that some of these things were I, I have used here before, but not all of it because a lot of it I put on the computer uh, yesterday and this morning. But who's to praise the Lord or who's to be thankful? My Bible tells me all people, everybody. Just a couple of verses, Psalm 67, verse 3, let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Verse 5, let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. 
Now, I know it uses the word praise there, but it has the idea of thanksgiving, being thankful. Psalm 100. One of the psalms that I uh, memorized as a youngster, and it sort of stuck with me. Um, I actually went back and tried to recite it again. I'm not going to do it this morning because I'll probably mess up. But it talks about come before his presence with thinking, singing. I need to look. There's a verse in there that I'm after, and it's not coming to me right now. So if I could go through it. Um, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Says it twice in that one verse. We're to be a thankful people. Is any time a time to not be thankful? So when are you to be thankful? It says all people are to be thankful. Is there ever a time to not be thankful? I noticed... Well, let me do this. Children under the age of 15. In the life of Jonah... We know about Jonah being swallowed by a great fish, and yes, I believe it happened. What did Jonah do when he was down inside that fish? Anybody want to tell me what he did? Um, Burns? He prayed? Somebody's pointing at you, Andrew. Do you have your hand up? What did he do? Okay. Is that all he did? I never just looked at it quite this way, and I, but there's one phrase in there that caught my attention. It says this when he's down in that fish's belly. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Jonah, when he was there in that deep despair, he said, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah, even in that fish's belly, had a thankful heart. Now, it took a little bit to get him to there, and too many times it takes more than it should to get me to thankfulness. Daniel, when he knew a decree of the king was signed, that anybody that made any petition, anybody but that king, was going to be cast into the den of lions. What did he do? He ran and hid somewhere where nobody could find him, right? I think probably the people that had that decree drawn up knew where they could find Daniel after the decree was signed. They went and they found him kneeling there facing Jerusalem three times a day just like he did before. It says this about Daniel. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before.
So when are we to pray? Uh, I'm trying to make sure here something don't look quite right. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. So when you're praying, it's not all about, Lord, give me this, Lord, give me that, Lord, help me with this, Lord, help me with that. It's also about being thankful with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Psalm 79, verse 13 says, So we thy people, the sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show thy praise to all generations. We're going to be thankful to God. How about at mealtimes? But I don't want to make a show. I just have a couple of examples down here, and they're all about our perfect example, all from our perfect example. You don't have any time, at least I didn't look to see if I could find any time that it's not mentioned, but frequently when Jesus is getting ready to consume food, it talks about him giving thanks and blessing that food. Matthew 15, 36, he took the seven loaves and fishes and gave thanks. Mark 8, verse 6, he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks. This is the creator of the universe. This is God in the flesh. He gave thanks. John 6, verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them. And you can think about when we commune together at communion time. We talk about Jesus taking the bread, taking the cup, and giving thanks. Any other times we need to give thanks? The psalmist had one. He said, at midnight I'll rise to give thanks. Why? Because of everything you did for me, right? Not what he says. He says, at midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of you. Because of thy righteous judgments. I'll stop and give thanks because you're God. When you're victorious in some area, You say, oh, I got that one licked. Yeah, that's the tendency. I survived that test. The scripture tells us, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God, my mind goes lots of different directions. 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. 
Always. It's not because I'm so able-bodied and all that kind of thing. So there's a few places that we need to give thanks. There's another one. And that's always. Now that doesn't mean that all the 12, 14, 16, 18 hours that you're awake, you need to be, you know, just constantly thanking God. It's okay. The Apostle Paul, in talking about the people at Ephesus, says this, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 20 of chapter 5, he says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe I haven't gotten to that point yet because I still struggle some with thankfulness when I want to be thankful. Writer to Hebrews says this, let us offer the praise of God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So, when do you give thanks? I have a number of illustrations and examples and thoughts that I've put down here. As I was going through this, and you can't see my notes, but some of these I scribbled down since I'm here. But I think about two people. One is a young man. Grew up in a conservative church setting. Was good at baseball. No, he wasn't good at baseball. He was excellent at baseball. And they were pretty confident he could make it to the major leagues. Today, he has a hand that he can't use properly. Because as a young fella, he got it in a saw. Now we might think, well, that's terribly tragic. And it was. And he saw it that way for a time. But you know today he gives thanks for that mutilated hand because he recognizes where he would likely be today if he'd had two good hands. And I'll tell you, he's still a good ball player. He can catch it with a glove, sling the glove off with the ball out of it and throw you out just as, about as quick as I can or could. I can't do it anymore. Now think about Ivan. I think his last name is Miller. That we met. He's a man in a wheelchair. He's an Amishman. He's been in a wheelchair since he was a teenager because of an accident. 
But I was impressed more by his testimony when he said, you know, I hear these people that can't walk and they just just wish so bad they could walk. They feel like they could serve God better and all this kind of thing. He said, I have no desire to walk. He said, I thank God for what this has done in my life. And he's an upbeat individual, lives a life of thanksgiving, thankfulness. So, do circumstances influence thankfulness? And then I have down here below that, should circumstances influence thankfulness? And I know our minds can go lots of different directions. Yes, circumstances influence thankfulness in my life. Should they? Not like they do sometimes. What influences our thankfulness? So is my focus on the things I experience in life or the circumstances I face in life, is that why I'm thankful or not thankful? And we're going to look here in a little bit at the focus of our thankfulness. And you think about the psalmist. His focus was on God and what he did and what he is and who he is. And he was thankful. And other people in Scripture. Daniel, he wasn't in pleasant circumstances. But he was still a thankful individual. My response to whatever influences that thankfulness in my life affects others. You know, um, you all think that uh, your ministerial team gets together and they're all serious and talk about serious things. You know, they find out some things about J.P. Campbell that you don't know, probably. Because sometimes I sort of let my frustrations out in that setting. <laughs> they know I'm a human being, I tell you that. Right, Nathan? Oh, okay. You didn't need to go there. But anyhow, um, so, yeah, we, when you're facing some tough things, sometimes that human nature wants to come up and you start thinking about things from my standpoint and not from God's focus. And other people can see that, and it, it affects others. Develop the attitude of gratitude. It's not something that comes natural. Be a thankful person every day, not just at Thanksgiving. I was talking to a fellow on Friday, old order man, getting some repairs done that needed to be done, and 
uh, I asked them if they were, um, I don't know what all the com how all the conversation went, but something came up that, uh, you know, we need to be thankful every day, and I think he made it sort of personal to me. Are you thankful all the time? I said, well, I said, I don't do as good as I should. But I think about various things in life. So council meeting and communion time. Is that the only time we need to get right with our fellow man and our and the, and the Lord? No. It needs to be an ongoing thing. But we need to examine ourselves. Thankfulness. Do I need Thanksgiving Day to remind me to be thankful? Well, it's a good reminder, but that's not the only time to be thankful. So I'm going to ask for your input here just a little bit. I've got sort of a list here on this. When you ask someone how they are, what kind of responses do you get? Anybody care to say what kind of response you get? Okay, I'm blessed. All right, Joey, did you have your hand up? What'd you? Good, okay. Okay. You'll tell me this evening, okay? <laughs> okay, all right. I'll call you up this evening, all right? Okay, so I've heard responses, I'm fine, or I'm well. I had one person, an older man, he's dead and gone now, but he he made this comment. He said, I tell people I'm fine when they ask me, but he said, I lie a lot. Some of these other responses I like better than some, some of those. I'm better than I deserve. I'm blessed. And this next one, I think about my father-in-law as he was getting on in years. You'd ask him how he was, how he was. He said, I'm getting along with what's left. And I think that's a pretty decent response. Others may take a considerable amount of time telling you about all their problems, their aches and their pains. If you're not interested in those kind of responses, maybe you better change your question. Because if you ask that kind of question and you get their responses, are you truly interested in finding out how they are? Now, you know, we might say that those that when you ask them how they are go down this long list of their ailments and pains and aches and so forth. Um, their focus is wrong. Well, can you help them maybe get their focus correct? I asked an older person one time that had 
lost his wife sometime earlier than that, how he was. And the man got quite emotional, and he talked for a while. Someone that heard me ask the question and saw his response said, you shouldn't have asked him that. Why not? I don't regret for a moment asking that man that question. Because I was genuinely interested in how he was doing. So, we're all getting older. Some of us just started a little earlier than others. Do I dwell on my limitations? And I thought about some of them here just recently. I went to reach for something, and it was hard to get down and reach it. I wasn't reaching this way. I was reaching down here. You know, it's hard to get down and get something and get back up again. Is that what I dwell on? Or the aches or the pains. And let me give you some warning, young people, younger people. They're going to come. But you can still be thankful through them. And I'm going to work on that, being, counting my blessings. Um, you know, the Bible talks about lifespan of 70 years. We have some here that's already reached that and then some. And if by reason of strength they be four score, there's going to be trouble with those years. That's what the Bible says. There's going to be pains. You know, I thank God for what I used to be able to do. Uh, I can still do most of the things I used to be able to do, but it just takes a whole lot longer, and it's way more painful than it used to be. But I can still thank God for those things. Where? Are we supposed to be thankful? The psalmist says we're to be thankful and pay our vows in the presence of all his people. And I think about an old order preacher. He's dead and gone. Lewis Martin. I had a deep appreciation for Lewis. I was with a group of people on a tour of the Mennonite community, and we stopped at the Pleasant View Old Order Mennonite Church out of Dayton, and they were getting what they called a Mennonite, uh, the Mennonite experience. And I want to tell you something. They, um, it was a wide variety of Mennonite experience that was laid out there that day. I don't remember where all they went, but they went from the Old Order Church to the Old Order School to some other places to a Mennonite-run winery. They got the full experience. But when we were sitting there in that church, 
and he explained the procedures from church and, and old order life and so forth. Someone asked him this question. He said, what are you most proud of in your life experiences in the old order church? This is going to be interesting. What are you most proud of? So, Andrew, what would you say if somebody asked you what you were most proud of about your upbringing? <laughs> so, I will tell you, I don't remember anything about Lewis Martin's response except where he started. Because I wanted to see what this... Old Order Preacher was going to say when he was asked what he was most proud of. Lewis didn't have to think very long before he came up with his answer. But his response started like this. I am humbly grateful for, and he went down his list. I thought that was a tremendous response. I am humbly grateful because, see, we, we didn't get what we have. We didn't get the elements of our thankfulness because of our human effort. Yeah, we need to put forth some effort, but that's not why we got it. Why do we give thanks? Why are we thankful? I've got a pretty long list here, and I probably won't get them, do them all, but um, a lot of this comes from the Psalms. The psalmist says this in Psalm 26, I will wash my hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all thy wondrous work. Our focus is on God and what he's done for us. Yes, in the Old Testament, most of it was physical. For us, a lot of it is spiritual. But when we focus on God and what he has done for us, it changes our perspective of thankfulness. And we can more easily have that attitude of gratitude. I'm just going to turn to a couple of psalms here and read a few verses quickly. I'll give you the reference, but I won't give you time to turn to them. We give thanks because everything belongs to God. Psalm 26, I'm sorry, Psalm 50 says this. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. So he said, I won't take it. God talking. Where else did they get their sacrifices? But out of their fold, out of their cattle pen. This is what God tells him. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? 
Offer unto God thy thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. It's Old Testament. I know that. We have so much more, so, so many more, we have many more blessings even than what they had. Psalm 95. We give thanks to him because he's our maker. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us kneel down. I'm sorry. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. <coughs> we are his people and the sheep of his people. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. God made us. That's reason enough to give thanks to him. Psalm 107. <clears throat> He says this, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Psalm 116. Verse 10, I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, Truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of his people in the courts of the Lord's house. In the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. I'm not going to turn to it. But Psalm 136 talks about in every verse. The psalmist makes a phrase, or there's pens a phrase, for his mercy endureth forever. 
Another phrase, for his mercy endureth forever. And, you know, we would say, well, we would combine a lot of those things together and then end it with, for his mercy endureth forever. Shows me that the psalmist was overwhelmed with the enduring mercy of God. I said earlier that my response of thankfulness affects others. I appreciate when Brother Levi goes down a, a verse or a word and and brings it out, but there's one that sort of stuck, stuck out to me. In 2 Corinthians 4.15, it says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Did you ever look at your thanksgiving as redounding to the glory of God? Somebody want to tell me what redound means? Okay. I just looked it up and printed it out here, and I, I'm not even going to try to say the word. Okay. Uh, it's sort of spelled out here for me. It means to superabound. That thanksgiving superabounds in quantity or quality to be in excess, to cause to superabound or excel, to be in abundance, to be better. Did you ever think about your thanksgiving getting better because it brings glory to God and it influences others? Give thanks to God because he is holy. How are we to give thanks? Oh, it's Thanksgiving Day, so I've got to be thankful, right? Do we need to be reminded? Leviticus says this. When ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. Do it willingly. shouldn't have to have thanksgiving pulled out of you like I need it sometimes. And this, this willingness, when I read one chapter... In, uh, in the life of King David, it just, uh, it just brings the willingness of what we do out in a little different perspective. But why, do you, why would we do it willingly? I used here the illustration one time about the girl in at college sitting down to a meal with five of her friends or six of her friends, I forget, and bowing her head and silently thanking the Lord for the food. And those six other girls there were snickering because she was bowing her head to pray. And when she got done, she said, well, why were you laughing? Why were you snickering? Basically because you bowed your head to pray. Weren't you thankful for that food? Well, yeah. 
Well, where'd you get it? Well, I paid for it. How'd you get the money to pay for it? I got that from my family. And that's, you know, that's a, brings opens up another whole problem when uh, it's given to you. But how did they get it? They worked for it. How'd they have the ability to work for it? You can't just get yourself out of bed in the morning and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and get up and go. Sometimes you can't. God gives you the ability. That one incident in that life, this girl started a prayer meeting. One girl came, and pretty soon all six of those girls were coming to that prayer meeting because she stopped to bow her head to pray and thank God for her food. But this is what the psalmist says. He asked, who is willing to consecrate his service to the Lord? And then he talks, he, he gives thanks for those that offered willingly. Verse 9 of chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles says, Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willing, willingly to the Lord. Five times in that chapter, he talks about the willingness of he and his people to offer praise to God. And you get down in verse 10, he talks about all the greatness of God. His focus is on God. Riches and honor come from thee. You reign over all. Your hand, in your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and give strength. And then he says, but who am I? What is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly? In other words, David says, who am I that I can even offer you anything? All things come of you and of your own hand have we given you. So we're thankful it's because of what God has done for us. It's not because of what I have done necessarily. God gave us, you can go down the list what you have materially, what you have spiritually, what you have whichever way. It's a gift of God. He's given it to us. That's the only way we have anything to offer back to him. The psalmist says one last time in verse 17, As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. So think about those things as you think about Thanksgiving. Work on your attitude of gratitude. I need to work on it. Um, and we probably could all work on it. I'm going to finish with a few verses from the uh, from 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified, where it says this, Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench or subdue or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. 
you ever think about unthankfulness being a quenching of the Spirit? I'm not going to go there this morning, but think about it. That's in the context of quenching not the Spirit when it talks about being thankful and continually thankful because this is the will of God for you. And then the end of that chapter says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, that is, separate you from profane and vulgar things, make you pure and whole and undamaged, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose. I'm going to stop there just a little bit. That's all inserted stuff there, but that reminds me of our Sunday school lesson this morning. Um, let him sanctify you through and through, that is, separate you from profane and vulgar things, make you pure and, un, and whole and undamaged, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete and be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, faithful and absolutely trustworthy is he who is calling you to himself for your salvation, and he will do it, he will fulfill his call by making you holy, guarding you, watching over you, and protecting you as his own. Let's be thankful, not just in November of every year, but all the months of the year. May I have a song, please?